The Ladies of London Hacking Society was created by Eliza May Austin in an act of frustration. Having nowhere to turn to meet other women in the security industry within the UK, Eliza May fired off an online post lamenting the lack of local community support for technical security-based women in London. Her story is a common one. The post seemed to resonate with the local community. In a short time, she had close to 500 women join her London meetup group, focusing on sharing technical skills and industry stories. This is Mark Miller for the DevSecOps Days podcast series. Stay tuned. This is the DevSecOps Days podcast. The DevSecOps Day podcast series is supported by OWASP, dedicated to enabling organizations to create and maintain software applications that can be trusted. And with support from the Sonotype Nexus platform, allowing companies to automatically evaluate and track open source components with known vulnerabilities within the DevSecOps pipeline. How did you get started in security? You're obviously the minority in the industry. How did you get started? Um, I originally went to university to do, um, I, it was an accident. <laughs> I, I originally, I went to university to do um, forensic science because, you know, I used to watch CSI and I thought it would be really cool. <laughs> and then um, I was there and I was just absolutely rubbish at all the chemistry. Like I hated it. I was rubbish. And I thought, what can I do that's, and there's no jobs in it either. Um, what can I do that's, you know, something forensic related, literally Googled forensic related courses, but not forensic science at university. And then Sheffield Hallam University came up with a degree in digital forensics, went and did that. Really digital forensics, wow. Yes, yeah, computer security and digital forensics, mm -hmm. really enjoyed it. Um, and then I started, you know, working just from my first year because I'm not the kind of person that can sit in a classroom and just sort of learn that way. I have to go and actually do it. So from year one, I started, you know, going off in my summer holidays and Easter holidays and stuff and doing like little internships. Um, and then it just sort of grew from there. And I, you know, I've worked in quite a few really nice companies to work for actually, like Marks and Spencer, for example, they were wonderful. Um, when you went for the interview process, was there pushback? I mean, because we're talking here industry-wise, there's just such a lack of women that are getting exposure in the industry. Did you yeah. have to talk your way in? Were they forward-thinking companies? How did you get in? Um, no. I mean, there's always a degree of talking your way in and uh, job yeah. interview, isn't there? Like, <laughs> um, no, I found, like, my approach of just sort of turning up with the job spec, and this is something I've done the majority of the time, with all the things that I, you know, haven't quite grasped yet, highlighted in pink, and I've just sort of slid that across the table and said, you know, these things highlighted in pink, I haven't quite got the hang of yet, can't quite get my head around it. Really, but, you admitted this is what I, I Yeah, don't... fuck it, because you've got to be like that from day one, I think. And I, I think there's a lot of showboaters in the industry, and there's a lot of, um, people jumping on bandwagons, you know, like the DevSecOps engineer thing. Okay, what is that? So, you know, I, I think if you're honest from day one and, you know, they appreciate that honesty, whether you're male or female, they appreciate, companies appreciate your ability to learn and know your own learning style 
and adapt your learning style to a work environment they appreciate that honesty as well so I always like to go in with that mindset if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out I don't get that job that's fine but no there's been no pushback in terms of being a female and I equally haven't sensed any sort of I've got this job because I'm a female either despite that always being a seed in your head once you get the job you always think oh you know would I have got this and you know people do comment on that as well in the industry a lot of men do comment on that um not in a negative way but it's a question and it's a conversation that I'm open to having with people you wrote an article on September 17th 2017 where did that come from where did the idea come from for this it's quite controversial really because um it's not all been met with open arms I spent quite a lot of evenings the occasional weekend I'd go to a, a technical meetup uh, maybe if I wanted to learn something new I'd go and I'd go to like a vendor day and sort of work out what they're doing um, and I always found out I was the only female there which isn't particularly a problem but women including myself find certain situations intimidating in terms of asking questions and I, I really got really pissed off with myself because I was thinking if this was more of a mixed dream, I would more, I'd be a lot more confident in asking questions uh, and, and whatnot. Um, I had a particularly bad experience at a Kubernetes event when I, I, I turned up and I was like, I don't know, I don't know shit about Kubernetes mm -hmm. at the time, but I was like, this is why I'm coming to a Kubernetes day to sort of learn about it. Anyway, I had this conversation with this guy and, and he was like, what, you don't know anything about Kubernetes? He was like, maybe you should go back to school and then more and more people kind of got involved in this argument and it was it was like incredibly embarrassing and I just thought well fuck this I'm gonna have the pizza the beer and then I'm gonna fuck off home <laughs> uh, and, and then I thought I'll go and learn Kubernetes on my own and then I started as a result of that I started going to women in tech events and women in security events and they were absolute bullshit they all had the best intentions but they worded everything inadvertently as there's the technical side of things and then there's the things women can do and then they'd go into soft skills. No, you're serious? Yeah. And you know, this is like modern times. This is the UK. You, mm -hmm. you don't expect that. And it absolutely riled me up the wrong way every single time. I always challenged it and then I always felt like a complete prick for challenging it. So anyway, I got, I got very frustrated. I um, was invited to speak at, um, at a women's event and they'd actually sold tickets to this event so i was thinking okay this is going to be good got there i was again the only technical person on that stage and these women had paid to be there and a lot oh, of them what other roles were they i mean marketing sales recruitment yeah like any woman from the industry that, that was free that day they seemed to like just pull them in to get on stage so yeah it was really annoying and I know and I actually um went home after copious amount copious amounts of red wine and I sat down and I wrote that article out of sheer like banging my head against a brick wall um it didn't go down well with everybody but that's the point I don't care um there needs to be more options than just soft skills for women and there's companies out there that need women that need people they need bodies on seats and they don't have them so we can't afford to 
alienate women in the way that we're doing and it's it's primarily in the security industry where does linda barber fit into this she was your manager at the time did you, how did you get buy-in from her yeah so um i was working at a company called itc at the time she's a fantastic manager she's actually on the um, organizing committee now for llhs and she does she no longer works there either we got on really well and i just told her about it and i said i need somewhere to start the first event and she was like you've got my support totally i'll help you with this um she was fantastic but then that company i guess i think it was the CISO at the time said he didn't like the name he didn't like hacking in the name which that's just so stupid <laughs> <laughs> it's just stupid so no i was like okay fine don't hold anything back now <laughs> <laughs> let's just go somewhere else with this then so it just sort of took a back burner you know life got in the way then eventually i was on my way to work and i you know i work at a different company now i can't say who it is but if you google me you'll find it out and again i was getting to the point where there's a lot of people wanting to support it and then there's no action so there is no dates there's no agreement to anything so i just thought fuck it i was on my way to work i had someone's armpit in my face on the tube um a coffee in one hand my phone in the other and then like i said in my article i was listening to white snake and i just built a meetup page and put it out on LinkedIn. I was like, this is what I'm doing. Has anyone got any space? The company Just Eat got back to me um, and we hosted the first one there. And then we've just gone on from there. It's interesting your growth. I mean, you've got way north of 450 people in your group now. You have yeah. 70 people that sign up for the meetings to go to the meetings. It sounds like you've got something going. Well, yeah, and I'm glad you noticed that actually because we've not actually advertised it. So we've got our website sorted like three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, so it's, you know, there's definitely a thirst for that in London. Uh, I think there's a thirst for it everywhere, actually. We've had a couple of women that have turned up that have been informed about the Hacking Society by women in America who were like, if I was in London, I would totally go to this. Like, here's the link. There's like a, a really sort of global wording like what do you call it sort of communication going on around this so it's really exciting so tell me here how is cybersecurity for women different than cybersecurity for men so it's non-existent for women so <laughs> yeah pretty much there you go <laughs> let's end the podcast um, <laughs> okay so i just want to say this is the hacking society is female centric, not female exclusive. So the way I like to look at it is, if if we had um, a male's group in hairdressing, no one would care, no one would care. That's fine, that's up to them. If they wanna have their own little society of male hairdressers, that's fine. Now where they would be stupid is if they then said, we wanna reinvent the wheel and we don't wanna learn from any of the women that have held up this hairdressing industry. That's not what we're saying with the Hacking Society. So we invite men in to speak. Anyone that's hosting us that's got men at their company, they're, they're able to come for that event that they're sponsoring us. And any man that is um, attending in a mentorship capacity, as long as they've met me first, or providing a talk or providing assistance in some way, they are welcome to come along, but they have to be supporting the cause and not taking from it. 
so I think the reason that we're growing so well is going back to what I started with when I was saying about um, going to that Kubernetes conference and being the only woman there and instantly having a crowd of crowd of people around me bombarding me with Kubernetes questions and I was like I have no fucking idea I don't know why you're trying this like you know women feel really confident to just turn up with no experience and and equally we've got like CISOs and CTOs penetration testers experienced developers cyber defenders all turning up as well and they're all sort of helping each other out and making this community work and I, I honestly don't think that women would turn up with no experience if they knew that it was a mixed event because they've told me. I have talked at length with some of my good friends like Paula Thrasher and Carolyn Wong and Shannon Leitz about mm -hmm. that, saying, what is stopping women from speaking? And to the person, and Aubrey Stern, if you know Aubrey, because she's in London too. What, what, and to the person, each one told me, if you're a woman in this industry, you have you feel like you have to know 100% of the subject yeah. before you can get on stage or else you're just going to get slagged. Where guys can get up there, know 50% of the subject and just wing the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's totally right. Um, and I think it stems back from, uh, you know, previous generations where women would be the only woman in the boardroom. And they, they knew that they were the token and they had to hold on to that sort of position. They had to be able to deliver something of value in every meeting. They had to be able to deliver um, something of value in every in every project. And, you know, that doesn't end overnight. So this industry's only just started to change. We've got like, it fluctuates between 9 and 11% of women in the UK in this industry. So that, that issue isn't going to change overnight. I think the biggest problem stopping women from using their voice is women. Um, and I say that because every male CISO that I know, every male CTO that I know is saying, you know, how do we get more women into this? They're putting all of the things in place and women just aren't fighting. They're not taking the bait. They're not, you know, entering into these roles that have been created, you know, with diversity and inclusion in mind. Because it, it's all in their head. It's It's a lifetime of habit i suppose and it's quite hard to break that down part of what we're doing with the hacking society is trying to silence that inner critic that specifically women do have even to the point where going back to what you're saying about talking just applying for a role like there's been research to say that if a woman's got you know 80 percent plus of what's on the job description she'll consider applying if a man has got 20 percent plus he'll consider applying which I think is great for the man. I don't think that we should stop men applying for roles they're not necessarily qualified for but want to learn. What we should do is we should change the mindset of women and say, start thinking more of yourself. But it's just really hard to do. I still haven't, still haven't conquered it myself. But I would definitely wing things. <laughs> personally and then I think whoa what the fuck am I doing <laughs> like why did that go okay um maybe that's imposter syndrome maybe I'm just an imposter one of the the words that you just used was the word confidence where does that play into all of this as an example are you using your group to help women gain confidence in front of people I mean what confidence levels are you thinking about 
Um, I think confidence in their ability. Just for as an example, what, what we do is I will plug in and then on the big screen do a hacking lab and everyone will just follow along with it. They'll all log on to the, the uh, web-based CTF platform and then they'll follow along and I'll just explain what I'm doing at every single stage down to the, the micro level. And a lot of them are just following along and then before they know it, they've done it and they're like, oh shit, I just like <laughs> created a, a malicious PDF and sent it to a non-existent company and successfully fished them. Or, oh, I just, I've never even used Metasploit before and I've just managed to do that. <laughs> so then they end up leaving with this, like this new set of confidence skills, not necessarily technical skills, from, from the bat, off the bat. And they think, oh, actually I did that. I didn't even realize what I was doing and I did it. And then they'll research through our, you know, the content that we provide on what it is that they did, uh, why it works. And then a lot of them will come in and say, oh, you know, I've been studying Metasploit or I've, I've got Cali now and all this kind of stuff. So we have like a good 20% of the people that turn up have got no experience and they're, I mean, we're like eight months in now and they're starting to apply for roles, like entry level roles. So I think that shows an increase in confidence. What is your future vision for this as you're starting to build? And it sounds like you were surprised at the speed with which it's gaining momentum. Yeah. What's your vision for the next year to three years? The vision is I would like a hacking society in every major city. Yes, that's a bit of a big dream, but that's that's the one we're aiming for. We've just opened up one in um, a small city called Norwich. And we're just going to test that out, see how it goes. We've got people in Bristol that want to set one up and we've got people in Manchester as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so so I'd, I'd like that to sort of bring more women out of the woodwork all over the place to just sort of get together and get their hands on a keyboard and do something practical and, and none of this just let's go to a conference and talk about there's oh there's no women in cyber what a shame okay great thanks for your advice <laughs> like, you know i want to sort of actual hands-on keyboards women getting confidence through giving confidence as well and through sharing skills and and research that they've done that's interesting with with their community whatever city or town that might be you're 100 security yeah. And you're going to be speaking at a, you're doing the keynote for the DevSecOps Days in London next week. And yet you have never dealt with a developer. No. <laughs> this is what I'm saying about winging it. <laughs> no, no. Um, I said this to Mike. I said, oh, I, I can't really add anything of value. So I don't really, I don't really want to do it. You know, I said, I'm security through and through. Don't work with developers, blah, blah. But then um, we kind of had a conversation about that. And it kind of raised an important subject that I'm not the only person in these shoes. And there's a lot of pressure constantly, and there always has been, on developers to produce content super fast and get it out there. And then, flip of that coin, there's a lot of pressure to get security teams to find things once they're already out in production, out into the world. Now, DevSecOps was supposed to cure this problem. It hasn't. It's great, it's great in theory, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, you know, correct me if you if you see a different approach, but definitely over here in the companies that I've worked in, there's been a DevOps team, there's been a DevSecOps team, and then there's been the security team that have no, they have no alignment, which is absolutely pointless 
the point of DevSecOps was to ingrain security from the moment a developer hands hit the keyboard. What I want to see from well, what I want to say from a security perspective is what I'd like to see and how I think that we should go about that. It sounds as if you see security perceived as the redheaded stepchild kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> they have no soul. <laughs> I, I would argue with you that DevSecOps, the concept, has security as an integral part of any of those solutions. I and so if you're in a company that has security isolated from the developers and the operations, then you're not in an environment that's doing DevOps or DevSecOps. Then that would be every company that I've ever come across. Holy smokes. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, it's great. It's a great concept. If it works, I can see it being fantastic. But we have we have security defense teams trying to you know chase attackers and hunt down everything in the infrastructure that is potentially vulnerable. We've got red teams you know penetrating things and not feeding that information back to the developers. So you've got these individual silos of testing going on. And then in the meantime, there's this DevSecOps cycle in a department that's in a different office. I've never come across a company that's got that right. As a consultant or as, as a as full-time employee, I've never come across a company that's got that right. Wow, that's amazing because the entire day next week in London is talking about companies that are doing that. I produced the uh, DevSecOps days at RSA conference in San Francisco. I did a oh, lot. Oh, cool. We had 900 people show up for that. And it was completely about stories from major enterprises like Target, major financial corporations, major health organizations that have actually made the transition with security at the center of their DevOps initiative. Were these American companies? Well, Target is international, right? But, well, uh, we don't. Well, you yeah. know, <laughs> you don't maybe, have it's a, <laughs> maybe it's a UK thing. I don't know. No, you know what? We're going to see because next week we're going to have the other speakers besides you are going to be yeah. talking about DevSecOps in their organization. So maybe it will be great for you to enter the fray here and say, I haven't seen it. Actually, get up on yeah. stage as the keynote and say, I haven't seen this shit that you guys are talking about. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's what I want to do because for me and for everyone I know in security, it's the big pink elephant in the room. What the fuck do the DevSecOps team actually do? And there's a, I know that the developers, I know that they do amazing work, but I don't see the result of that from a security perspective like we still have to have pen testers pen testing the the products after they're out in you know in into the world and then you've got the argument against the company that's released it why have you released it and security didn't even know about it so there's a lot of like plates spinning in the air there and i i know like you know i've come across people that do work in devsecops and they're really confident with it and love it but then, you know, you ask them about where security fits into that and they can't, they don't work with a security person. They work with other developers. So what I'd like to see is have, you know, a security operations center 
with DevSecOps people all working together, you know, having an open conversation, analyzing code and have that code, whether just functional analysis, having that fed into something like a scene, like an elk stack, and treat that information that comes back like a security operations center would. I'm excited that you're coming because I plan on introducing you to people that are doing this. Okay. And see if you believe what they're saying. I mean, it would be interesting to actually put you together with somebody that believes and you as a non-believer and let you go at it on stage in front of people. Because <laughs> as, as you say, if it is a pink elephant in the room, then the whole industry is a sham. And that's basically no, what you're saying. No, no. What I'm saying is I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it work. I don't work with developers. I don't work with people that work in DevSecOps. And the products that come out of these teams still need to be pen tested. So what's changed from a cyber defense perspective? What's changed? The very core of DevSecOps starts with cultural transformation. The company itself has to believe that a change is going to take place and the change is going to be good, that security has to be integrated from the very beginning as part of the development process. If you're working in companies that don't believe that and don't have that as an initiative, you're right. Security is going to be isolated the way it's been for the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's quite a new sort of concept as well, really. You, you take a big bureaucratic company that has to then, you know, change the way it works to fit that as DevSecOps. How long is that going to take? And yet they'll pop up a DevSecOps team or re rename their dev team DevSecOps and give them basic web application testing sort of training on what an SQL injection is or whatever. And it's not sufficient. I, I really don't see uh, somebody saying we have a DevSecOps team. DevSecOps is a concept of integrating culturally the three separate things together, dev, developers, and security and operations. When you get people like Courtney Kistler, who has helped turn around Nordstrom's and then did the same thing at Starbucks, and now she's doing it for Nike, we're talking about somebody that has actually turn the ship on major enterprises and major corporations at this level. You've got Gene Kim who puts on the DevSec, uh, the DevOps Enterprise Summit every year in London and now oh. in, in Las Vegas, who only brings large enterprise people to the table, whether it's Ross Clanton from Verizon or Courtney Kistler or people like that. So. I think it's going to be an, an education for both of us because I really want to hear your side of it that you're not seeing it. That That's fascinating to me. So, well, I'm not seeing it and I'm in a security team. What I see and what you see is going to be different. And the point is it shouldn't be. If we're doing DevSecOps right, what we see shouldn't be different. Now, I've just gone on LinkedIn and I've just typed in DevSecOps. There's DevSecOps consultants, DevSecOps engineers, DevSecOps analysts or some random rubbish. DevSecOps I would agree with that word. Random rubbish is what you're seeing because people have jumped on the buzzword because they know everybody's talking about it. Yes, and what do companies do when that happens? They also jump on the, on the buzzword. 
-hmm. now we've got to have a DevSecOps team or we've got a DevOps team that we're doing all right and now let's call them DevSecOps and, and then they can do some training on a portal there are people that are in DevSecOps teams and that's the point there shouldn't be a DevSecOps team that's right that's you know right. there should be DevOps fantastic or development fantastic and security and there needs to be a way for them to all work together so they managed to do it with this whole let's make everything agile thing that <laughs> you know like oh yeah so everything's agile great post it so they're ready um you know but i i really i would love i would love to see this work i'd love to see it work in my company i'd love to meet people that have done it and pick their brain i'll take that as a challenge thank you <laughs> so I, I will see you next Friday, uh, March 22nd in yeah. London. And I think you're leading off the day, if I'm not mistaken. Which is Am great. I? Oh, my God. That's not a challenge at all. <laughs> no, let's have the contrarian open the conference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I thank you for your time. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you next week. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to meeting people that have made some success out of DevSecOps. You don't believe me. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I'm just, I haven't seen it. It's just me. Like I've never seen a, I've never seen a, let's a Springbok or a, a lion live but I don't disbelieve that they exist. Okay, I'm gonna introduce you to a couple unicorns next week. <laughs> this is the DevSecOps Days podcast. The DevSecOps Day podcast series is supported by OWASP, dedicated to enabling organizations to create and maintain software applications that can be trusted and with support from the Sonotype Nexus platform, allowing companies to automatically evaluate and track open source components with known vulnerabilities within the DevSecOps pipeline. <laughs>